What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixty Cents Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Jonathan here. It's been a week, it's not, not a normal week for us. We usually get another one out on Sunday, but that doesn't that didn't happen. So we have a lot to talk about, right guys? Quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, we go back a week, there were three games since we last talked. So the 76ers-Celtics game three, first game in Philly. Um, the Sixers lost 114-102. I was in attendance at that game. The Embiid acceptance was for the MVP award was amazing, but kind of spoiled the night with an L. So, I mean, we should do quick uh, some quick takes on game three. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah. Um, well, you know, not great. It was not a very fun game to watch. Um, I had a bad time overall watching that game. It was, it was not fun. Like you said, Joel got, got his MVP award. Pretty beautiful moment. Naturally, the Sixers can't have a beautiful moment and like a nice, comfortable win on the same night. That's just not how this team operates. So they, they got the doors beat off them for, for the most part. Uh, you know, Joel had 30 points on 19 shots. Not his best night, maybe, but not, not a terrible night either. Um but, you know, he was still he was still coming back from the injury. Like I yeah, mean, no, yeah. of course. I mean, four blocks, thirteen boards, thirty points. It's hard to complain about a guy on, on a knee injury doing that kind of stuff. But his teammates just didn't have it. Both James and Tyrese were were pretty rough shooting the ball. Tobias had a very quiet night, as was the case for many nights early in this series, at least. PJ, but, had, but hey, PJ had his best game of the series offensively. <laughs> Yeah, PJ PJ hit some shots, uh, but that's not really enough to get it done. So a, a pretty rough night on both sides of the ball for the starters in this game. Uh, Boston, I will say after Game Three, I was I was pretty convinced that Boston was just a much much better team than Philly. We'll talk about what has happened in the ensuing games, but this was a kind of a demoralizing game uh, for the Sixers. You know, two straight losses once Joel got back. It, it kind of felt like the series was shifting towards Boston. It, it certainly did. I mean, look, Joel needed – I think the Sixers always – whenever Joel misses times, there's always that period of time where the team has to readjust playing with him because playing with him is such a unique way versus how the team operates without him in the starting lineup because without him, it's James Harden's show. And then, you know – so you got to figure that out. And, you know, clearly James and Tyrese just didn't have it. Maybe it was their legs. Maybe it was the defense. Who knows? Maybe probably both. But, uh, you know, obviously you would like more than just six shots from Tobias Harris. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess, sometimes. Uh, you know, great game by uh, by the Celtics there. You know, it, would, it did not look good for the Sixers. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I was just like you, Chris. Pretty down, thinking uh, 
this might be another another Celtics taking over the series and just knocking us out. But might as well transition to game four on that. The Sixers had their second game at home and tied up the series 2-2 with a 116-115 overtime win. This was a James Harden game round two. He had a floater at the end of the regulation that sent it into overtime. Then he had the three when Jalen Brown went off him to double and bead to win the game, essentially, in overtime. Uh, Boston had a shot, but they shot it after the buzzer. A little tense moments, uh, not knowing if it went in. But let's uh, let's talk about that game a little bit. Lucas, do you want to start with the starters? Yeah, look, um, it was the second coming of James Harden in that game, obviously, uh, of this series, 42-9-8, and eight, four steals. Uh, the Sixers needed that from Harden to win. Joel had an okay night, you know, really lived at the foul line, okay shooting. Tobias struggled. Maxi sh- struggled. You needed those two to be superstars to win that game. And them with that, you know, picking, you know, Joel got the ball. He drove. The help defense came, which was a big mistake. Look, Boston, the Philly didn't win this game. I mean, they won it, but it was more of, of Boston errors than Philly, you know, right. I mean, look, Philly made the right plays. But Boston definitely gave, gave gave the Sixers a real shot at winning this due to uh, mistakes multiple times on defense and offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Philly Philly had a big lead for part of this game, and, and they did everything they possibly could to blow that lead. This is not a game the Sixers really felt like they should have won. Um, yeah, the the Jalen Brown made a pretty key defensive error. That's something he's prone to do, but it was just really bad in that spot, obviously. And credit to Joel for making that pass. I'm not sure he makes that pass in, in years past. So that's that's important progress from Joel. Obviously, James ha- has been quite hot and cold this series. He's had two of his worst games of the season and maybe his two best games. Um, this was thankfully one of his better games. Uh yeah, I mean, look, if Marcus Smart gets that shot off like two tens of a second earlier, the Sixers are in a 1-3 hole, and we're having a very different conversation tonight. But Sixers gutted this one out. We've talked all year about this team being different than, than prior versions of the Embiid era team because they can get out these wins, because they have toughness, because they don't let their spirit get down in, in these tough moments. And they, they deserve a ton of credit for pulling this one out. Like you said, this is really James and Joel doing superstar stuff. Joel on defense especially has been off the charts this series, even if the offense hasn't always been in peak form. And, yeah, I mean, this was a huge, obviously a huge win to make it 2-2 instead of 1-3. Because if it, if it had been 1-3 going back to Boston for Game 5, you know, as much as the Sixers, like, renewed spirit and this fighter's mentality is a thing, I, I think the Sixers would probably be done. We'd probably be talking about the offseason tonight. So this was a very big win. And, re- yeah, James and Joel deserve a ton of credit. Yes, it was, Chris. And, I mean, yeah, we were up 16 at one point in the game, making it um, a feeling like a blown lead, and I think a lot of people were saying, like, this is the game that we we lose this game in the years past. Like, every year's past, that's the kind of game we lose. Um, so it, it definitely felt different to actually come out with a win. It feels very much of a piece with, like, 
Kevin Durant's toe being on the line in that Milwaukee series as like mm-hmm. an inflection point. If Smart had gotten that off like a tenth of a second earlier, that could really be like an inflection yeah. point for the entire postseason. No, it could. It absolutely could. Um, and before we go to the bench, I mean, definitely want to hear your thoughts on the bench. I mean, there was only two players who got significant playing time, but I also thought it was worth pointing out, like, Embiid struggled in the fourth quarter, like, mightily, and P.J. Tucker went at him, got in his face, feels like the only person on the team, maybe the only person in the league that could do that and try and motivate him and be like, you are the MVP. That's who you are. Show up. And I really thought that was a, like, a great move by P.J. Tucker. Thought it actually really helped the team. So what are your thoughts on that and also the bench, Lucas? Look, I mean, PJ, that's why you bring him in, to be able to call out Joel at those times. And we really saw the fruits of that in the next game. Uh, the bench, I wish we could have gotten more from Melton, but, I mean, I mean, the bench doesn't – I don't know, guys. I'm not thrilled about the bench to play, except for game five. That That was pretty good. Overall, the series, the bench play just has not been there for Philly. Yeah, I, I mean, notable, obviously, that Doc decided to shorten the rotation. McDaniels j- just hasn't been cutting it this series. He's seems to be on pretty much glued to the bench now, which is probably the right move. Young kid, nothing to really worry about long term, uh, assuming the Sixers keep him around. But, you know, it, it's understandable. Obviously, George hit three threes in this game, which is nice. That's that's what you want out of him if he's going to be on the floor in the playoffs. Um, not Melton's best game offensively. He he did bounce back in a big way. Game five, Lucas, and, and he had a very good game three. You know, you're, the bench guys are going to run hot and cold in the playoffs. It, it's not really something you can do much about. But overall, yeah, I mean, this was a game where the Sixers played all of their starters minus P.J., at least 44 minutes. And that's the kind of thing that's going to happen in the playoffs. Uh, so good, good thing. The Sixers have a very good starting five and two very good superstars because that, that's, those are the kind of guys you need once the playoffs arrive. That's a formula to win, Chris. So we uh, turn to last night's game, game five it was super pivotal. Obviously this is where 82% of teams that win game five end up winning the series in best of seven. And, Going into this game up in Boston, I was not very confident. And the Sixers, mm-hmm. essentially, it was a wire-to-wire to win. I mean, 115-103, they basically were in command. I mean, they were definitely close points, but they were winning this game, uh, and Embiid showed up. So, Chris, what were your thoughts on the starters in Game 5? Um, Yeah, I mean, honestly, what the heck, man? Um. I'm I'm like you, Justin. I was there was no way in my mind Philly was winning this game. I I was there's no way. I was like Boston feels pretty clearly like the better, more well-rounded team. They they were in the finals last year. Philly crumbles in this moment every season. I I was ready for it. Like I thought there was no way they were gonna win this game. They barely held on to Game Four. They had blown their big lead. I was like, this is it. Celtics are in a roll, but um, Boston has had their fair share of flaws this year. We they went to six games with the Hawks for a reason. Like they have a tendency to have these nights where they just don't really show up. They feel kind of apathetic, and for some 
reason game five was that night. They, they just didn't show up offensively. They didn't have anything. Part of the reason is that Philly played great. Um, Joel had his best game of the series, 33 points, seven boards, four blocks, was a monster on the defensive end. Really changed the calculus in a big way for Boston's offense. Those guys just didn't want to challenge Joel at the rim. Um, James had a great night facilitating the ball, ended up with 10 assists. Really, really was, I think, much better than 17 and 10, his, his stat line would suggest. Um, then obviously, you know, 30 points, six threes. This was this was Maxie's best game of the playoffs and best game of the Boston series, specifically by a mile. This is, we talked about it on the last pod, I think. Boston historically has done a very good job of limiting Tyrese. And this was the game where he finally popped off, which is quite beneficial for the Sixers. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of shocked that Philly is up 3-2. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't see it coming. Um, you know, what is my confidence level going into game six and seven? We can talk about that more, but. This was obviously a huge win, potentially one of the biggest wins of, of the beat era, depending on how things go from here. And Joel showed up on a bad knee. James, Maxi, their guys all showed up. Tobias had his best game of the series, 16 points, 11 boards. PJ was getting after it on defense like he always does. Like, this is about as good as you could have hoped for as far as a game five pivotal on the road in Boston in the TD Garden Celtic fans were booing their team like years past this is in Philly and Philly fans are booing Philly because they're blowing the series it's it's kind of amazing that that we're at this point um still a long way to go this series is not anywhere close to over I'm not not at all ready to talk about this series with any sort of finality Please don't get me wrong, but th- this was a very impressive win, and a lot of guys across the board deserve credit for making it happen. Yeah, look, Chris, you, you talked about a lot of different things. Maxi went off. James had a really solid game. Tobias Harris' best game of this series. Joel dominated on both ends. You really saw how much this game meant to Joel with you know just how he was getting after teammates. I remember there we there was a fast break after his I think a block, and then um, James threw a lazy pass and Tatum intercepted it, and then he uh, then Joel fouled Tatum at the rim, and Joel was getting after everybody for it, and I you know it's just that he had an MVP performance, a great game, no denying that. Um, w- going into this game, I told myself they need to win this game. They have to win this game, and they have to win the next. They have to win essentially three in a row here, guys, because I do not think, I mean, I'm not trying to be a cynic here, but I don't think you win game seven on the road in Boston. So you have to take care of business. Business at home, game six. It is a must win. You have to treat it like game seven. You have to, you have to win that one. Because, like I said, I don't, I don't think they get it on the road in Game Seven. I don't think it. So you have to finish it out here in Game Six. And like, look, this is great, but you know, Doc Rivers has thrown blown three one series before, and granted, this is three two, but still, like, you gotta close it out here. It, you know, this certainly mm-hmm. would help Doc's legacy. 
It would help Joel's legacy a great bit. And obviously, you know, Miami, New York's playing right now. looks like Miami, you know, it's a tight game, but I'm betting on Miami probably winning this one right now. Um, we're winning the series. So, you know, rematch of last season's second round and, you know, Joel getting back at Jimmy. You know, that, that, there's a lot of storylines there if we get there. But like I said, we have to finish it out in game six. Got to finish the deal. And I think this club can do it. I mean, look, Boston Boston just took a, a right up. If we're using boxing analogies, Boston's on the ropes. You got to finish the game now. You got to finish it now. Uh, that That's yeah. just my biggest takeaway. And honestly, let's give Daniel yeah. House his flowers real quick because without him, we don't win this game. I don't think. I don't think yeah, we I was going to say, game. I mean, that's, that's his first showing the series, right? I mean, meaningful showing. And yeah, Doc's switching up the bench, second most minutes behind Melton. And he yeah. played great. He yeah. he was kind of the answer for more length uh, and perimeter defense. Because uh, obviously McDaniels isn't doing it. House, I mean, he's not huge. He's like 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, but he's he's long and he can play defense and he can finish at the rim. Uh, Three-point shot wasn't there this time. But doesn't mean that it won't be there in the future. But uh, look, that, that, uh, that second-round pick for House really made it worth it in this game, I, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, like you guys have said, like this series is far from over. I do agree with you, Lucas. you got to close this tomorrow at home. It's, it doesn't – the 3-2 lead doesn't feel great. And we know Boston Mm-mm. did this to Milwaukee last year. They were down 3-2. They went to Milwaukee. Juan came back to Boston won game seven. Or maybe it was – I mean, either way, they won one in Boston and one in uh, Milwaukee. So, you never know. Yeah. I, but why yeah. don't we tra- – oh. No, I – well, no, I just – like, it. on paper, it still feels like, you know, Boston is the better team on paper. They've been the better team this season just record-wise. And, obviously, they're they're deep – Again, this was a finals team last year. They only got better on paper. I You mentioned Doc Lucas. I, I think coaching is obviously pretty pivotal here in the sense that I don't think Joe Mazzulla is quite operating on the level that Udoka was last year. Mm-hmm. I, Doc is definitely winning the coaching battle this series, which I, you know, which is we kind were of surprising, kind of like yeah. a lot of credit to Doc. He, he's coached a really good postseason so far. Um, but I agree with both of you. Like tomorrow, Game Six is either going to be like a singular moment of joy and ecstasy, and a very like important chapter in the Joel story, or we're all going to feel like complete garbage, and we're all going to be writing about how the Celtics and the Heat are going to play after Game Seven. Like. Yeah, they they got to win Game Six. I the stress levels of a Game Seven would be disproportionate to their odds of winning a Game Seven in Boston. Again, the Celtics have had a tendency all season in this postseason to screw around and, and not play up to their potential. But Game Seven in Boston is is not something I feel good about. So yeah, we'll see. Philly, they can't take their foot off the gas pedal, and it, it'll be quite the atmosphere i think in the wells fargo center so i'm i'm tentatively excited to see how it plays out i'm also extremely nervous ah but you know we can only wait and see i guess we will try to make history and go somewhere we haven't been in 22 years so 
Fingers crossed. Can't wait for game the game tomorrow night. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But why don't we transition, talk a little more about Joel Embiid. We'll do a two-part here on the NBA uh, all NBA teams that were announced today. So Joel Embiid getting his first first team All NBA. Obviously, he's the MVP, and that's going to put Jokic on um, the second team because of how the positions are again for this year. But Lucas, what were your thoughts about Embiid finally getting this first team All NBA nod? Look, it feels long overdue. Um, he might have gotten it like early on in his career, but it's been a while. Obviously, Jokic's two time rating. MVP. Um, Joel, rightfully so. I recently uh, did some Twitter ratings and I had Joel and Jokic both in the top 10 in all time centers. And I think, despite it being early in their careers, I think you can say that they're, they're probably up there in the top 10. Um, that being said, they both have MV, at least one MVP, which is more than, say, like Patrick Ewing. Um, that being said, uh, look, I, I think that um, it was well-deserved. He's clear. He's the MVP. Of course, he should be first-team All-NBA. Um, that shouldn't be an issue there. Yeah, um, absolutely long overdue, obviously, with respect to... I mean, we're moving towards positionless All-NBA teams starting next season, right? Like, mm-hmm. That's long overdue in and of itself. Like the fact that Embiid has been second team the past couple of years, despite being second in MVP voting, is pretty ridiculous. And that's just been a flaw in the system. So glad that he finally got it. You know, obviously the fact that Jokic is now second team despite being second in MVP is just as stupid as it was with Embiid last year. But we're we're not going to have that issue moving forward. Uh, so that's uh, well, I mean, we're we're the we're not a Nuggets. What to podcast or a Sixers podcast, so we're not really going to complain, you know, about you know, Jokic not getting first team, you know. Well, I mean, it, it, it's where it's not a job um, to worry about that, not a job, okay, whatever. All right, I will say the, <laughs> the anti Jokic crowd, the, the he can't do it in the playoffs crowd, is having a pretty rough series, um, but yeah, um. Look, obviously, I love Joel with all my heart. He he deserves it. He's had an amazing season, and like you both said, it you know it's long overdue. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just go through the other All NBA teams. The first team All NBA, obviously, Embiid, Giannis, Luca, SGA, your boy Chris from the OKC Thunder, and Jason Tatum. That yeah. seems appropriate. Second team All NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Second team All NBA: Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, Donovan Mitchell, and okay. De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, and Demontis Sabonis. So, I'll 
let you guys have your take on those teams as they are currently listed, and also if you think Harden got snubbed. Uh, I guess my own complaint is I don't – look, I love LeBron. LeBron had a great season, but he didn't play enough games. I'm sorry. I, I can't in good faith believe that LeBron James deserves all NBA just because he, he – I don't remember the exact number, but I know he played less than 60 games. And, and if he got to 50, it was on the low end of 50. Like, I just – Outside of that, like you could, I'm not going to really complain too much. Um, I in James Harden, yeah, I think he got snubbed, but the question is, who are you taking off at the guard position? And that's that's not an easy answer. I mean, you could switch Jalen Brown to a forward, but they didn't. Um, yeah, nah, I, I, you know, I think he got snubbed, but it's it's the question of who are you going to take off, and I don't really have a great answer for that. Yeah, um, I mean, you could obviously quibble with with a couple different players, but generally speaking, it's it's hard to complain. They're they're pretty fair teams. Um, did James get snubbed? I I don't think so. Like, if we are strictly adhering to positions, I don't think I had. You know, I didn't have James on my teams. There are a lot of really good guards this year. He just ran. I, I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. He. I I think if it was positionless and we we're just going top fifteen players. I, I would have had James. So that's another thing where, like, the way that we get to think about this thing is changing, and that's a good thing. Because I, I do think James had one of the 15 best seasons in the NBA. The only problem is, like, 10 of the best seasons in the NBA were guards. So that that's the issue that James ran into here. But on the whole, I you know, I don't think it would be fair to call him a stuff. I would have put him in over, like, Fox, but I, I had a couple other people online too but fox I mean, fox is quite fox, deserving i'm not i'm I was not about mad say, at yeah i was about to say like when it came down down to my last guard position it, it was either brunson fox or um or james and i think if i remember correctly i'm not exactly hang on i have it written right here give me a second let me pull back up keep my notes nearby guys you always gotta make sure you keep your receipts Okay, let's see here. I had third team. Oh, I did have James on there. Never mind. Yeah, I did have James. James and Donovan third team. I had Jimmy. I had Jimmy third team. Not a. Uh... We said Jimmy was first team or second team. Second team, right? Yeah. I. Well, yeah. You know what? One guy that did get snubbed is Pascal Siakam. I I think he should have gotten in there over LeBron James. Yeah. The LeBron Julius. thing is definitely. Oh, LeBron thing is definitely interesting. I hear you on that. Yeah, I, I think mean, it was just it's, more it's, legacy. It's LeBron. Thing. They're they're gonna vote for LeBron, you know. I guess yeah. so. As long as he has the numbers, it doesn't matter how many games he plays. Yeah, right. and it's not like it's some egregious pick. He he's still very good. So I mean, how would you? did not make the playoffs. So what about what if it was KD? Would you be mad if KD got on there when he literally played about half the games this season? No, I would. I wouldn't be mad. I'm. Yeah. No, that's not something to be mad about. I mean, not mad, but would you would you think it's a little ridiculous that he? I don't know. I'm not, I'm trying to find Look, the right. Look again, term. moving forward, you're gonna have to play 65 games, so we won't have to argue about this anymore. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I, yeah, I I don't really have a huge issue with it. I I didn't have LeBron either, but he would he was right on the bubble. I I don't think it's a terrible pick or anything. All right, well, let's switch gears from the All-NBA Awards and get to the other uh, NBA series that are going on right now. 
So the Heat and the Knicks, Heat are up 3-1. to one. We're in New York for game five, and the Knicks lead 50-47 to 47 at half, which is surprising because they had 14 points in the first quarter, so they made a little bit of a comeback in the second quarter. But what are your guys' thoughts here on this uh, other Eastern Conference series? Chris, we can start with you. Yeah, um, you know, Cavs fans are, are down bad, as we kind of talked off air before the podcast. It wouldn't feel great to be a Cleveland Cavalier right now. Um Clearly, the Knicks are not not that great. Um, yeah, the Heat continue to be like an eight seed. You know, as as great as we all thought the Bucks were, it's definitely starting. You know, I don't think Jimmy Butler is gonna win the East this year. I'm willing to be proven wrong. Could happen. I don't want to, you know, jinx anything as far as what might happen after this, but. Um, this certainly feels like two teams playing to see who gets to lose in the next round, but we'll see. Like, can't really count out Jimmy at this point. He do have a track record of getting very far in the playoffs with, with Jimmy Butler on the t- team, so can't really count him out. Maybe they, they pull off some amazing win again, you know. The the Bucks obviously were hurt, but they they beat the Bucks once Giannis was back too. They beat the Bucks in five games. I had the Bucks winning the East. I I thought Milwaukee was like very much a legitimate title contender, maybe the legitimate title contender in the NBA this year. They ran through the regular season. No team was close to Milwaukee in the regular season. He beat them in five games. So, um, yeah, I I think the Knicks are toast. Um, you know, apologies to all the New York fans out there. We'll see. We'll see what happens when when Miami gets to the conference finals. I I think it'll be really interesting to see if they just get, you know, run off the floor by Boston or Philly, or do they actually put up a fight? Like, how real is Miami? It's going to be really Mm -hmm. interesting. So, look, I think Miami's probably going to win this series. It feels like it. They might even win tonight. Who knows? It's It's a close game. Um, that being said, I recently, like I said, I was recently doing like top 10 for like each position and okay. So I know Jimmy Butler started out his career as a a shooting guard, but he's a small forward now for the heat. He's been a small forward since like Minnesota pretty much. So I I'm counting him as a small forward. And when I was thinking about my top 10 small forwards, Jimmy Butler, I mean, granted regular season accolades, not that much. And obviously doesn't have a title to his name. But his postseason resume is probably top five of all time in, in terms of like how he can turn it up in the postseason better than anybody else. There are very few players that I would put ahead of Jimmy Butler, players that are like, I'd, I want him leading my team in the postseason. Like, I think Jimmy Butler is that guy. Um, I think that whoever comes out of our series should not take the heat lightly, even without their second best player and Tyler Hero. Like I don't, I don't think Hero's going to be. Back. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Second best player. <laughs> Let's calm down. Okay, so ben? you say that is I, deeply mm, disrespectful to Bayon uh, Bio. Okay, yeah. okay. Third. I uh, let me rephrase. Third best player. Thank you. Their third best player. Okay. That being said, um, second best score though. Second best score. Missing their second best score. That being said, when I was thinking about it, like I had to really think about whether or not Jimmy deserved to be in the top ten because he's that good in the postseason. 
And any team that's like going to face him, you know, whether it's the Sixers or the uh, Celtics, they're going to have like Jimmy's a problem. And I don't think PJ is going to be the guy that can really. We know Tobias can't stop him, and I don't know if PJ can stop him. Um, it's going to be a problem. And maybe, maybe Melton can give him some problems, but like Jimmy's going to be a problem in the in the East Finals. And like Chris said, I don't think they'll advance. But would I be like a hundred percent shocked if they did? No, I mean I would be shocked on a certain level, but I, I mean it's Jimmy freaking Butler, James Butler. We're talking about here, James Butler. Like, look. <laughs> I don't put anything past him. And I, me and Jonathan talked about this last time, Chris. I don't know if you remember this, but Eric Spolstra still hasn't won Coach of the Year yet. That is a travesty. Like, the guy's one of the top five coaches in the NBA. You could argue probably he's, top. He's top one. <laughs> you think he's better than Ty Lue? Oh, that's right. You don't like Ty Lue. Never mind. I love Ty Lue. It's him and Ty. They're, they're the best going right now. Yeah, but like no, seriously, he's getting so much out of these guys. I, I, and he's such a good exes and those guys. He, he deserves. If the Heat are like a top five team next year, he needs to get coach of the year. I, I'm going to be campaigning for it. Not to get confused with campaign of you know the Phoenix Suns, who we'll talk about here in a minute. Nice segue, Lucas. Let's go Thank out you. west. <laughs> Let's oh, go God. out west. We will actually, though, we'll start with Lakers Warriors. I just want to say, I think I was the only one on this podcast that had the Lakers advancing to the Western Conference Finals. And they are up 3 1 with a chance to close out in Oakland tonight. Do you guys think they'll get it? What are your thoughts on this series, Lucas? I did not see this going this way. I I thought the Warriors would have it. Uh, I thought Steph was going to cement his legacy against LeBron. Uh, LeBron, I mean, LeBron, let's, let's be clear on this. LeBron is not the best player. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah, that's the thing like that slant as far as being the series, I think is flawed because Steph is straight up outplaying LeBron. This isn't like a Steph versus LeBron thing. This is Steph versus AD. Lakers, Lakers are the better team. Like that's, they, they're deeper and despite not being, yeah. And despite not being together too long, they have better chemistry. Jordan Poole looks like a shell of himself because he has no confidence. They don't trust their young guys. Their old guys are starting to look old. Uh, look, um, the Warriors, you know, this offseason could see some changes. Bob Myers, GM, his contract's up. There's no guarantee he's coming back. Uh, that would be of his own volition, though, I, I, I suspect. Yeah. They just, they, they, they're, look, the Warriors look, the size of the Lakers and the fact that they're so good defensively, uh, I don't expect them to get to the NBA finals, but I, I mean, could it happen? Sure. But like at the same time, uh, I don't think a lot of people chose Lakers winning this series. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought this was going to go long. I, I, I felt like this was a pretty evenly matched series. Um, and it still could go along, you know. We can't we can't completely write out Golden State, but yeah, the the Lakers, like you said, Lucas, they're just a very deep team. Their their defense has been really locked in. Anthony Davis has been a monster on both sides of the ball for most of the series, and they they deserve a lot of credit for tying things together as quickly as they did after the trade deadline. It's it's hard to get that many new rotation pieces in February and make it click. So. They deserve a lot of credit for that, and 
you know, end of the day, like, it, this kind of feels like a, like everyone kind of overrating the Knicks after they beat the Cavs. Like, Warriors are a six seed. Like, Golden State showed a lot of these flaws all season on a very consistent and, basis. Like, and, and it took them until game seven to beat an uh, inexperienced Kings team. Yeah, uh, you know, the Kings had a bottom five defense. They were not the most intimidating three-seed of all time. Like, the Warriors still have moments where they look like the Warriors, but this is not like the dynastic juggernaut Golden State team we're talking about. Same thing goes towards the Lakers. They're, they're They're not a perfect team either, but they got a whole lot better at the trade deadline. They added some really key pieces. Austin Reeves has come on in a big way. Davis and LeBron are finally healthy. That wasn't the case for very long stretches this season, as we were just talking about with respect to All-NBA. So those are important factors here. And, yeah, I mean, it feels like the Lakers are going to move on here. And it'll be interesting to see how much of a fight they can put up against, you know, either the one or the four seed as a seven seed. You know, we're probably going to have a seven seed and an eight seed in the conference finals, which is which is pretty nuts. Um, but yeah. Shout out to LA. Keep, they, they've really I'm gonna done keep, very, a good job. Yeah, sorry. No, uh, I'm going to keep plugging my great predictions. I also have LA advancing to the NBA finals. But first, if they do advance, they will have to face the Suns of the Nuggets, as you just implied there. Um, the Nuggets went up 3-2 last night. Each team's won at home. They say a series doesn't start till a team wins a road game, so maybe this series has not started yet. But, Lucas, what are your thoughts here? I mean, this really has been a tale of two cities in these uh, series. Well, I mean, look, you're, the Suns are never dead when you have two superstars like Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker. They can clearly win you a game or two if they need to. That that being said, the Nuggets are probably the deepest and most complete team here in the playoffs, which is scary when you think about it. Um, despite only having one true superstar, uh, I don't know if I can count Jamal Murray there yet, but you know he has been playing very well. The Nugget, the, the Suns are missing Chris Paul. He's out for Game Six too. They just announced that, and DeAndre Bay Aiden's out with sore. You know he's questionable with sore ribs. Um, look, Aiden, I'm going to say this. He doesn't look happy in Phoenix, and I, I wouldn't be completely surprised if they traded him this offseason. They could very well trade him to to the uh, Pacers for Miles uh, Turner, which I think would be a much better fit for them um, and would save them some money. I don't know if that's going to happen, but look, yeah, I think Aiden needs a fresh start. I don't think – I think the fact that Phoenix drafted him over – uh, Luke is always going to be a problem and he wants to be more involved in the offense and rightfully so he, he is a pretty good offensive player. Um, and when dialed in, you know, he can be you know, the guy defensively, but he's, he's not dialed in because he's not getting the love on offense. He's so uh-huh. I, 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 I think, yeah, no, like Jokic is having his way with them and that there's no denying that. Um, I do think Aiden's a good center, though. I, I don't think anybody would deny that. I just don't think this is the matchup for him. And I don't think he's in the right mindset either. So I think I think he'll probably be gone this summer. And I think I if I had to make a prediction, I, I think the Nuggets win this one. I just the lack of depth in Phoenix is just too much for them to overcome this postseason. I think they need an offseason to re, retool that bench. 
Yeah. Um, look, I, I mean, yeah, the Aiton thing, like, on one hand, you're right, he's probably, he doesn't look that thrilled. But on one hand, like, he's being outplayed by Jack Landale, and at some point that's mostly his fault. So it, it's tough. He, he just hasn't played up to his potential this series um, or this season in general. Uh, but, yeah, like, the Suns are pretty much a two-man show right now. Devin Booker is, like, just on an all-time heater, and him and Kevin Durant have won the Suns two games pretty much, and you can't count out the possibility that they'll win two more. But Denver is a very good, well-connected team, and it doesn't feel like they're going to lose a Game 7 at home, but anything can happen in a Game 7, and they have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So I I don't think we can, like, write the obituary on Phoenix yet, but Denver is clearly the better all-around team. And I, I mean, I will say, we're all this talk about Devin Booker being like on an all-time heater. Jokic is literally leading the series in scoring. He has more points than Booker this series. Like Jokic is just murdering the the Suns' defense. He's having an amazing series. Um, well, they're playing one-on-one so, on him. They're not good. They're trying yeah, not they to let the rest. Let's not go to that stupid argument about how pe- people can double Joel and triple Joel because he's not as good at beating them as, as Jokic. That's a credit to how Jokic plays offense. That's not some, like, he's easier to guard so they don't have to double. That's not what it is. Let's not even go there. I didn't. I wasn't going there. Okay. I was just saying. <laughs> I, I was saying. I, I saw let, that let, let, crap on Twitter the other day. Like, no, 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 no. What I was saying was the Suns have decided to play him one-on-one. Yeah. And and he is making them pay. They decided yes. that if they if the the Nuggets are going to win this series, it's going to be on Jokic, not the rest of the team. Which I mean, you if you you're going to have to pick your poison with him. And I think, I mean, at the beginning of the series, it was probably the right call. I don't know if it's the right call now, but it, you know, I I probably would have gone in with the same strategy. I don't blame them for trying that. I blame them for st- sticking with it, but I don't blame them for trying it. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Jokic deserves, obviously, a ton of credit for his, his play this series. Denver as a team has been very good. Murray has been in a bit of a slump the last couple nights, but Michael Porter is playing killer basketball right now on both sides of the floor, and Denver as a team, like you said, is just much deeper, more in tune with each other. I, they feel like the number one seed for a reason. As Kevin Durant said earlier in the series, like Denver's legit, so... I do uh, want to say, I like what I've been seeing from Christian Braun. I think he's going to be a good rotation guy for a long time. Shout out, had him on my rookie team. Not a bad shot. It's not a bad choice. Uh, a second team. Yeah, no, he's good. He's yeah. Good. Our, um, we are in for else? some exciting basketball. That is that is a fact. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about? We could talk about how J.J. Reddick got an interview with the, for the Toronto job. Yeah, might as well touch on that. Interesting that he got a head coaching uh, opportunity or interview with the Toronto Raptors. He apparently had been looked at by the Celtics in previous years for an assistant role. I know Chris was saying earlier uh, off air, like he said, he wanted to be in Brooklyn kind of while he retired. So seems interesting to get back into coaching. But what do you guys think on that? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. We'll we'll see how far he actually gets in the interview process. It does seem like Toronto is, you know, interviewing quite a few candidates. They're they're really making this a wide, long search. So 
It'll be interesting to, to see how it progresses and to see how the field whittles down here over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I think all in all, the Raptors have a lot of questions to answer, but that's a pretty appealing job. They have some very good players. That's a that's a nice market to be in. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would be very interested in coaching the Toronto Raptors. Like you said, John, I, is, does J.J. Redick really want to commit to traveling for the whole season and living in Toronto and being away from his family and, and committing to the stress and workload of being an NBA head coach? I don't know. That's not really the sense or the vibe that I've gotten from him during these past couple of years of podcasting. But, you know, if they show him enough money, it might be hard to say no. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah. yeah. You know, J.J. I mean, Redick look, could be coaching against the Sixers in their division next year. That'd be kind of funny. It'd be Look, J.J. Redick might be the only guy in recent NBA history that could be a player coach. Um, I think, you know, Steve Nash and Jason Kidd were a little bit washed by the time they were co- coaching, but I still thought J.J. could do it if... I think injuries were the reason why, but I think, like, you know, it'd be fun if we saw saw him like scrimmaging. I, I, you know, he might actually give some of their, you know, end of the bench guys some problems. But look, he's working at ESPN. He is a star at ESPN. Um, he has his own podcast network thing going on right now too. I, if I'm JJ, you know, you take the call out of courtesy, but I would feel much more comfortable and probably get paid a lot more than what the you know Toronto would be offering. I suspect. Yeah, I don't necessarily see him uh, going for it. But like you said, who knows? We'll find out more, I'm sure, in recent days or in future days. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, I guess that means we've reached the end of the podcast. Next time we are on, we are either going to be in a state of complete joy or on the brink of, of uh, self-destruction. So we'll we'll see. It'll be, it'll be an interesting. Yeah, it's a little extreme. But... <laughs> You you know how the Sixers make us feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting pod either way. It'll be the the That's range of potential emotions are wide. Um, yes, but yes. it'll be a trip. Yeah, I don't feel great about it, but I never do. So we'll we'll see what happens. I I want to be proven. I, I want to feel good. So we'll well hopefully it goes our way. Um. Thank you, as always, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen and read our written work at our website, thesixersense.com. And, uh, yeah, we're on Twitter and Facebook, too, at Sixers Sense. And we'll be back soon to talk more Sixers and, unfortunately, to probably talk about the Celtics, too, in some capacity. Uh, so until then, peace out and go for it. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.